Well, good morning. Looks easy enough, doesn't it? Hey, welcome to part two, week two of our series called MPR, Marriage, Parenting, and Relationships is what we're talking about. And uh, if you missed last week, you missed a lot. Um, I want to encourage you to go back and go to our website, look on our YouTube channel, and you can watch that. But we're talking about principles. Everybody say principles. I believe that God wants all of us to win in relationships, and to win in relationships, you've got to understand God's principles, and to understand God's principles, you've got to understand God's word, but you can win in relationships. That's what God wants for each one of us. He wants us to live our lives based on his word, based on his principles, and when we do that, we can win. And if you were here last week, we said, what's the key to all of that? The key is, is we've got to take our lists and we've got to rip it up. Some of you are going, oh, we're going this again today. Yes, we are. (laughs) Because we all have lists. We discovered that last week. We have lists that we've made up in our mind. We have lists that we've made in our heart. We've got these ideas about what our life is going to be, what our marriages are going to be, how many kids we're going to have, what, when we're going to work, how we're going to retire, how life is going to go. And we got our lists made, whether it's written or it's not written. And somehow, right, we're just kind of hoping God will sign on to our list. And when our lives don't match our list, we tend to struggle and we get frustrated that God, come on, why didn't you do this? Why didn't it work this way? This list that I've erroneously made up in my mind, God, what is going on? Today, I want to go further into this principle thing, and I want to talk about your life and mine. And if you would, take out your message outlines. Before we get to any fill-ins and all that fun stuff, why do we have them? Because you remember more what you write down than what you just hear. So it's really for your benefits. You can take it or leave it. But how many are familiar with the Old Testament character Joseph? Joseph, uh, the one with the Gucci jacket of many colors. Remember that? Joseph, that's who we're talking about today. Joseph, I want to tell you about his life because his life has some real similarities to our life. We tend to think sometimes we're kind of the it, like nobody will understand my situation. And the longer you live, the more you realize, wow, you know what? Names and faces change, but people and circumstances really don't. That you're really not alone, even though sometimes you feel like you're alone. And um, what we learn from Joseph and his relationships, his life, will affect every relationship that we have. And so you might want to rip up your list of how it's going to go, because God's ways are not our ways. I don't know if you figured that out or not. I learned that years ago, although I'm still learning it, right? Because sometimes I argue with God like, wait, come on, God, I'm not sure I like your list, but I'm pretty confident in my list. Anyway, I'm not the only one to do that. I hope you're going to be real today. Some of you were fake last week. (laughs) Still have your names and your faces etched in my mind. (laughs) I want to encourage somebody today that your relationships, your marriage... Your dating relationships, your relationships with family and friends, you can win at relationships. Your relationships, believe it or not, no matter where they're at today, they can be full of life. They can be life-giving. They can be a blessing to others. It can make a difference in your relationship right now that you're in. I believe God wants you to win. I believe God can turn it around because our God, the God that I serve, is a master at taking broken things and making them into a masterpiece. 
That's the God that we serve. But the thing you've got to realize is the journey doesn't always look like the destination. That's good right there. It's not even on your note sheets, but you might want to write that down somewhere on your note sheet. The journey doesn't always look like the destination. When my wife and I, the way we started almost four or about 40 years ago, where we're at today, it doesn't look the same as the way we started. Can I be humble and transparent for a minute and tell you about us? And don't judge me. Last week, my wife was sitting right down front, and I finally told her, I said, listen, I figured out you needed me. Remember how many of you were here and you heard me say that? How'd that work for you, Scott? She's not here today. That's, that's how it worked. She, she left me on Wednesday. So she's in Nebraska. She's with her family. Her dad's got Parkinson's and dementia. Her mom had back surgery this last week, and so she's helping out uh, her sister and her mom and her dad for a couple weeks. So it's not because of what I said. So see, some of you already, I hope you heard that part, but she's missing me badly and she's, she wants to come home, but okay. (laughs) She's probably talking it up on chat right now, but anyway. But can I tell you the truth about us? If you haven't heard this before, we met, I was 20, she was 19 when we got married. Don't necessarily suggest that. God takes care of widows and fools, so I had half a shot, right? We didn't know Jesus, neither one of us. And if we would have stayed in that state, I have no doubt, no doubt that we wouldn't have made it for five years. The biggest change that happened in our lives is when both of us gave our hearts and lives to Jesus. And I'm not telling you it was just all smooth sailing. We had to learn God's word and his principles. We had to make a commitment to him and his ways. What we had to do is rip up our lists, right? And God rebuilt some things, I'm pretty sure we wouldn't be together today because I was on a different path. I can still remember it like it was yesterday. When I told my buddies in the Air Force, like, hey, I'm getting married to this girl, right? And they're like, are you kidding? Like, you're only 20. Like, you got a lot more oats to sow, right? You know what I'm talking about? One guy even told me, he said, are you telling me that you're going to be okay to be with one girl for the rest of your life? Now, some of you are saying, hey, I'm married. I didn't stick to that plan. That's a whole different story for another time. But I said, yeah. And he said, you're kidding me. Like, you're, you're really willing to have one girl for the rest of your life. Like, dude, don't you know there's tacos out there and there's steak dinners and there's chicken parmesan. There's all these other things. You're going to be satisfied with just one thing for the rest of your life? My life had been on a different path, right? And I'll be honest, before I gave my life to Christ... <laughs> I didn't follow the principles of God. I went for pleasure. I went for pleasure. How many of you know what I'm talking about? I'm talking about me, but I'm talking about you too. You're going to be fake, right? Anybody here lived off your own principles and did things your way? And then you got your results and you thought it was going to be good, but they always weren't good because there's areas of our lives where many of us have traded our pleasure rather than God's principles. We did it our way. That sounds like a slogan, doesn't it? Have it your way. You do you, boo. That's the world that we live in. Don't matter what anybody else says. You just do you, right? Except God's principles. It's like gravity. You can say, I don't even believe in that principle of gravity. We'll jump off a 10-story building. Let's say, how you do? You're going to splat. I don't care if you believe it or not. What I'm telling you is where my wife and I are today, that's not where we started on this journey. It's not at all where we started. And what I had to do is I had to take the list 
that I had made about what life was going to be like, what my buddy's life was like, all the ideas that I had, many of them because they were just selfish, I had to take my list and I had to rip it up. But don't feel bad for me. It was one of the best things I ever did. Look at Proverbs chapter 19, verse 21. Many are the plans in a person's heart. We've all got them. We've all got our lists. But it's the Lord's purposes that will prevail. You see, God saw what we didn't even see. We had no idea. We were just 20 and 19. I say we were in love. We weren't. We were in lust, right? I mean, you can see why. She, what, right? I mean, no, I'm kidding. Anyway, aren't we going to have fun here today? But God saw further down the road. God saw a purpose in putting me and my wife together and that she was going to compliment me, that she was going to make up for a lot of my weaknesses, that together God could use us in a way to impact maybe thousands and thousands of people with the gospel message. He saw around the corner that we never saw. I'd have probably never signed up for it. I didn't see this coming. And that's kind of what happened with Joseph. Listen, if you're going to be in a relationship... And you're going to be. There's going to be several seasons, several seasons that your life is going to be in the pit. Can I hear from some married folks? You're, it's going to be in the pit, isn't it? Anybody been happily married your whole life? Never had a pit? Liars. See, there's nobody. Thanks. Thanks for being honest. Thanks for being honest. Some of you barely made it here today if we were talking the truth. On the way to church this morning, you're driving. She was late. He was late again. And then you're just like, don't talk to me. Don't talk to me till we get there. I'm not talking to you no more. Praise Jesus. Good morning. Right? That's how we do. Yeah. But if you're going to be in a relationship, if you're going to be married, you're going to do this stuff together, right? Dating, whatever it is, you're going to be in the pit at times. And let me tell you why that's so important. Because we live in a culture today. Where the culture, if you believe what's going on in our culture, do they tell, they'll tell you when it gets tough, just stop. We're a throwaway society. Oh, that ain't working out. He ain't making you happy. She ain't making you happy anymore. Just poof, there's more fish in the sea, right? You've heard that. There's more fish. <laughs> you deserve to be happy. Who said that? I don't deserve to be happy. I deserve hell if the truth were known right? God isn't interested as much in my happiness as he is in my holiness. But we just toss people away. We toss things away. If you're going through some tough times, can I just give you some encouragement right now? Don't you quit in the pit. Don't you quit in the pit. In our culture today, again, oh, it's hard. Oh, just move on. Oh, come on. Yeah, come on, come on, come on. Here, here's the one I love. Well, I love him, but I'm not in love. I don't in love with him. What? I mean, I love him, but I'm not in love with him. And people say, okay, I understand that. Are you kidding me? You don't love him. Love is a choice. So if you choose not to love, you choose not to love. But this whole thing, like, I, you know, I looked at him one day like it used to be there. And then I looked at him, there's just like no sparks. No sparks anymore. <laughs> Fill this in if you're taking notes. Love starts where feelings end. Did you catch that? Love starts, I believe, when feelings end. When you stop feeling the feelings, 
which probably had nothing to do with love. That's where love actually has to kick in. The Bible says that love is a choice. That it takes a lifetime to learn to love someone because it takes maturity. Anybody can love the lovable. Y'all remember the song that your mama used to sing to you? Little lullaby. Scott and Debbie sitting in a tree. K-I-S-S-I-N-G. Help me out. First comes love, then comes marriage, then comes a baby in a baby carriage. You know that. Can I tell you, that's the worst advice you've ever heard. <laughs> Let's just break that thing down a little bit. Love doesn't come first. And let's just look around. Let's just be real. In our culture, you know what comes first? Not love. Most time, lust comes first. Oftentimes, a baby comes before the marriage. Can we just be honest? And then we got a whole nother set of yarn to try to untangle. You don't believe that? How much did you love Jesus before you gave your life to him, those of you that have? I didn't love him at all until after I made a commitment to him. Till I sacrificed my life to the one who sacrificed his son's life for me. Love, love comes after the commitment. You see, that's why the Bible says it takes a lifetime to learn to love. It's not just a feeling. It's not just that lustful thing that a 20-year-old guy had for a hot 19-year-old girl. And you got to commit even when you're in the pit. Matter of fact, that's when you really find out what your commitment's like, right? I told you that. People said, you guys have been married almost 40 years. You've never threatened divorce. No, we don't use the D word. We've used the M word, murder, once in a while, but not the D word. <laughs> we, just took it off. we just took it off the table. If you're frustrated, you're in the pit right now, your relationship's in a pit, your dating relationship, your marriage is in a pit, you're not sure what in the heck's going to go on, can I just tell you, invite God back in and commit to his principles. Don't you jump out. I know it's easier in the short term, but don't quit in the pit. There's no better example that I'm aware of in the Bible than that of Joseph's life. And Joseph, like us, he had a list. Joseph had a dream. You, you and I had a dream, whether we wrote it down or we didn't write it down, whether it was about our work life, our married life, whatever it is, and we've been dreaming, right, since we were kids. And Joseph had a dream. And Joseph was the favorite son of, the fa of his father. And one day, he got up the courage to tell his brothers, he said, hey, like, guys, like, you're not going to believe this. Like, I had the craziest dream last night. You ever have some crazy dreams? Like, I have some crazy dreams. And, and Joseph said, let me, let me tell you guys about it. And we're going to jump into that as he tells his dream in Genesis 37, verse 5 through 8. Notice as he gathered his brothers around, he said, hey, guys, I'm going to tell you about my dream. Here's what he said. So one night Joseph had a dream, and when he told his brothers about it, they hated him more. So they already didn't like him. He was the favorite of the father. They didn't like him. Listen to the dream, he said. We were out in the field tying up bundles of grain, and suddenly my bundle stood up. And your bundles dropped low. <laughs> My bundles are better than your bundles. And gathered and bowed before mine. His brothers responded, do you think you're going to be the king to... You're going to be over us? Like, you think you're going to be king, do you? You actually think you'll reign over us? And they hated him even more because of his dream and the way he talked about it. 
on your, sheet, on your note sheets, not on the screen. Let me tell you how I believe Joseph's dream went, because he had a dream. This is kind of how we formulate our list, which is why we have a lot, I think, in common with him. It started, he had a dream. We all have a dream. We have a list. Whether it's spoken, unspoken, written, unwritten, we've got a dream. And then he figured he'd get support for his dream. And then he'd have an opportunity to fulfill his dream. And the way he pictured it, he would go from promotion to promotion to promotion, and that would end him up in the palace. See how his dream worked? That's how my lists work. I never have any disaster. <laughs> no falling down, no parents dying, no people getting ill, kids all obeying, doing the right thing, being smart, being respect. All these things, it's just like, oh, this fits so nice. That's what our lists look like. Even as Christ followers, we kind of, many of us think, I gave my life to Christ, it should be smooth sailing from here on out. <laughs> uh, yeah. But let's look at what actually happened in Joseph's life. We got Joseph's list on the left, and let's look at what really happened. Did he have a dream? Absolutely. The dream, he still had a dream. But then what happened in Joseph's real life, not on his list, is betrayal happened. His own brothers turned on him. And then he was sold into slavery. Didn't quite have that one on his list. Then he was put in prison for something he didn't even do. Anybody ever been falsely accused? That is a horrible feeling, isn't it? And did he get to the palace? He does. Are you kidding me? You know, that's how our relationships work. You know, when we get married or whatever, you're in a relationship, you've got your list. You've got your list with your job, your house, your cars, your retirement, how much money you're going to have, all the trips you're going to go on. And in your mind, it's like, oh, this is real easy. I go from A over here to B, over here to C, over here to D, over here to E. This is perfect. But you know how life really goes as a Christian? That's what it looks like, right? Joseph's life. Even when you live by God's principles, it doesn't always go according to the list. Joseph had to walk through these seasons. Do you think Joseph was in a pit? We're going to find out he was literally in a pit, a cistern. Some of you are in a pit today. You're in a pit as a single person. Some of you are in a pit because you're on the back end of divorce. Some of you are in a pit because you're widowed. And where you're at right now, you don't like it. I want to give you a couple of principles. <laughs> there it is again. Everybody say principles. Principles. How you're going to win at relationships. What happens when the dream flops? What happens when your list doesn't match your life? What do you do then? What do you do then? God still has a plan. God's ways are not your ways. There's things that happen in all of our lives. And you know what we want to do? Kind of compare our pit to somebody else's pit and tell them why their pit isn't as bad as our pit. <laughs> Some people want to throw a fit about being in their pit. Can we just say that if you're in a pit, it's a pit. There's no sense in comparing because you might say, well, my pit's way deeper than yours and it's more 
whatever than yours is. And so in other words, you're telling me my pit isn't worth anything, that I shouldn't be in pain because I'm in a pit. Listen, can we just understand that if you're in a pit, you're in a pit. I look at these last couple of years and I've been pretty open with you in many ways. I've been in a pit and I'm not in a pit alone, but you know what? If you're in a pit, it doesn't really matter, right? You're in a pit. So I'm not trying to say like, oh, feel bad for me. That's not what I'm saying because you got your own pits. <laughs> but this whole COVID thing happened kind of overnight, right? It's like, hey, let's just take a couple weeks. We'll do things different. Here we are two plus years later. Oh, it's different, all right. Lots of things are different. People scattered. Well, actually, we didn't. We kind of went home and tucked ourselves inside. Thought, hey, a couple weeks, we'll come back out. Everything will be fine. Oh, we can cook for a couple of weeks. Restaurants are closed, right? Well, we all know the trajectory of that. But listen, as a pastor, I want to tell you, it's heartbreaking. We were right in the middle of a building campaign. We had all this money pledged, and all of a sudden, we don't even know where the people are. Now what? I wish I had said I was bright enough to say, okay, God, you got a problem. My brain doesn't work that way. I think it's all my fault. You're right. Or what am I going to do? I got to solve all this. How do you solve it when the people, we don't even know where they are. I'm talking to a camera. I, I don't know if somebody's listening or not listening. We're not together. We're scattered. We're this, we're that. And then churches after churches during COVID have closed, thousands of them. Thousands of pastors have walked away. You know why? They say the number one cause right now is mental exhaustion. <laughs> and I'm thinking, okay, sign me up. I get it. And I'm not the only one here even at Crossroads that's walked through this. We've got a team, right? We got people. Not everybody's gone, right? But it's like, ah. Uh. And then add that, right? My wife's dad. He's got Lewy body dementia. A guy that almost had a photographic mind is starting to have a problem getting words out, and his body's starting to fail, and he's got Parkinson's. And my wife wants to be there, but we've got a life here, and her sister's taking care of all this stuff. And you got to make decisions, and yet they're not all your decisions to make, and they're painful decisions. And you add all this stuff together, and I'm like, holy cow, this is a pit. <laughs> and then I think, well, Scott, you're a man of faith. You've seen God's faithfulness even in this church for almost 35 years, but I'm still in a pit. You following me? You say, why am I up here with such conviction? Because, listen, I know God can still be faithful even when you're in a pit. I've seen it before, but when you're in a pit, it's hard to remember some of those things. But we need to remember those things. We need to remember that God is faithful, that he never leaves us and he never forsakes us. That just because we can't see around corner, that's even more reason to trust the God who can see around the corners. And I want to encourage you, to continue to move even when you feel like quitting. I got to keep moving. You got to keep moving. Even though, listen, I know what it's like to wake up day after day after day and have a hard time even putting one foot in front of the other, right? 
Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about in your relationship, in your life, in your pit. It's like, I don't even want to get out of bed. Like, I don't even want to see anybody. I don't want to hear anything. I don't want to go anywhere. And I'm telling you that you've got to keep moving. Don't you quit in the pit. Thanks for those four people that are following. <laughs> Look at Psalm chapter 23, verse 4. It says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I want you to pay attention to one word there that you probably often miss. It's the word through. T-H-R-O-U-G-H, through. It's not the word though. There's the word though, and then there's the way through. Do you see the both of them there? It's not a word that says, though I stop in the valley. That's what I want to do at times. I just want to stop in the valley. Like I'm in the pit, I just want to stop. I want to check out. I want to call time out. Though I get tired in the valley, I just want to sit down and rest a while. It says, but I walk through the valley. Listen, I don't care if you have to inch your way day to day while you're in the pit, but you got to keep moving. Can I just get real real with you? Even if you have to get down like this, you're flat out of it, and you've got to crawl for every inch to keep moving because I'm not going to stop in the middle of the pit. I'm going to get through this pit. Everything in me wants to quit when I'm in the pit. But we got to walk through. We got to keep moving. Notice it says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I'll fear no evil. Why? Because nothing's scary? Because you know how it's all going to turn out? No. Here's why I don't have to be afraid even, and I'll fear no evil. For thou art with me. You'll never walk through a pit alone. As a follower of Jesus, I'll never be in a pit alone, even when I feel like it, I have to tell myself, he's with me. No matter how dark it seems in my pit, Jesus is there. He's with me. Somebody say, God's with me. But doesn't always feel that way, does it? That was the theme of Joseph's life, that no matter where he went in this pit, he kind of felt alone. He was relationally beat up. He was bruised and scarred. His own brother's but God was with him. Let's jump back in the story, Genesis chapter 37, verse 23 through 34. Listen, so when Joseph arrived, his brothers ripped, there's that word again, what they do, they ripped off his beautiful Gucci coat, something he was comfortable with. He took pride in, they ripped it off, and they grabbed him, get this, and they threw him in a cistern, a place where they stored water. It's, it's a pit. And look at what ended up happening. Look at verse 36. Meanwhile, the Midianite traders arrived in Egypt 
where they sold Joseph to Potiphar. Now he's sold as a slave. And Potiphar was an officer of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Potiphar, it says, was the captain of the palace guard. It doesn't sound like it's going very good for Ojo, does it? Fill this in if you're taking notes because the betrayal wasn't meant to break you. The betrayal was allowed to take you. God had to allow this betrayal to happen, him being sold into slavery and getting to Potiphar's house, right? You'd say, gee whiz, God, what are you doing? Why are you allowing this to break me? He said, it's not about breaking you. This is a vehicle that I'm going to use to take you somewhere. It just didn't match your list. God's plans will prevail. Some of you are like, man, if Joseph would have never left his daddy's house, none of this would have happened. Yeah, but the story ain't over. Joseph had to get to a point where he took his list and said, God, I trust that you know better than I do. I don't like it but I'm going to keep walking through it because you're with me. Now, I'm sure he had some of the same things you and I would ask. Why did this happen? God, why did you allow this to happen? Because, Joseph, I allowed it to happen because if it wouldn't have happened, you wouldn't have moved. You ever thought about that? I look back on my life and some of the things that I did stupidly and some things that I had no control of that God didn't allow to keep going that way because he had a place for me to be. Didn't want me getting too comfortable in a place that I wanted to be that was on my list but wasn't on his list. I still don't like the pits. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, Pastor, you don't even understand. Like, we were pledged to be married. Then he left. She left. They left me stood up at the altar you know how much money we put down on this wedding? You know how much flowers cost today? They left the church. My dad left. Our mom ran off with somebody else. She's gone. God said, some things I allow... I didn't cause, but I allow because it's the only thing that'll make you move. They had to leave. You had to get denied for that school, that job. Because if you'd have got it the way you wanted, you'd have been hanging out with them, and God needed to get you by yourself to speak something in you and through you because he had something for you to do that you wouldn't have done if you'd have still been in that same crowd. The betrayal wasn't meant to break you. The betrayal was meant to take you. That's what Joseph's going to discover. Fill this in. The worst relational devastation is many times God's vehicle of transportation. (laughs) The worst relational devastation is many times the vehicle that God uses to get you from one place to another. It's how he takes you. Fill this one in as well, because we're rolling. Look for God's favor in the failure. As odd as this sounds, Joseph still had God's favor on him, even in the pit, even in the betrayal, even as a slave, even in a prison. Joseph's brothers betrayed him, but he ended up in this guy named Potiphar's house, and he found favor there. 
even amidst what we would call a failure. His list isn't coming close to looking like the list that Joseph made. Look at Genesis 39 too. It says, and the Lord was what? With Joseph. God, why'd you leave me? God, I don't feel you. God, I don't sense your presence. He never left Joseph. What happens when you fail? God's like, I'm right here. I feel so alone. Woohoo, I'm here. No one understands. Woohoo, I do. It's your lowest point when you don't think the pit can get any deeper. At the divorce, in the middle of your pain, at the back end of the worst mistake you've ever made, God says, I'm with you. I'm with you. We've all been betrayed. Joseph was betrayed. He sold into slavery. He was loved and distinguished at home where he was. And can I tell you something that's true, but it's sad if you really think about it? And if we're going to really, really be honest with ourselves, some of us would rather be in a good situation without God than in a bad situation with him. Can you move on? I don't really want to think about that. That's why we need to rip up our list. There's a way that seems right to a person, but it ends in death. When we think our lists are better than God's and our ways are higher and better than his and we know more than he does, we're on a crash course with problems. That's why we need to rip up our list. I look back at my list that I had when I was 18, 19 years old. When I got married, I told you a little bit about that. I was going to make more money, and my dad was going to retire before my dad ever retired. He retired from Ford's at 55. He had 38 years in. I'm 59. Oops, blew that one. Money, oh, let's not even go there. But God says, I got a different idea for you to produce than you ever had on your list, Scott, to produce. Somebody had told me, hey, one day you're going to be a pastor. I'd have laughed right in their face. I said, are you, are you blankety blank, kidding me, right? That's probably, that would have been me. You got to be kidding. I'll be, I'll, there'd be a zillion things I'd put on a list and never do that. That was the furthest thing from my mind. Pastoring people? Ooh, I don't really even like people. <laughs> God saw a palace when all I could see was a pit. Look at the rest of this, Genesis 39 too. It says, the Lord was with Joseph. So he succeeded in everything he did as he, watched this word, circle it, as he served, as he served the season that he was in. Are you kidding me? Some of you, listen, that's your takeaway. Whatever season you're in, your marriage is in, your dating thing, whatever's going on, listen, you need to serve in the season that you're in. Some people, we're looking so forward to the next season that we don't serve in the season that we're in, and we miss out on God's blessings and opportunities. I wish I had a dollar for every time I heard a guy or a girl say, well, I'm just looking for that, but I'm so alone. I'm just looking for that person to come along that will complete me. 
Quit looking for somebody to complete you. They, listen, if somebody comes along, they need to compliment what you already got going on because you're serving God whatever season you're in. You're not looking for somebody else to complete you. You say, oh, you find me, but you, ooh, I've checked my calendar because I'm not sure like I'm serving God. Didn't get much enthusiasm, did it? So I'm like, no, I still want that. Per- <laughs> I'm going to give you a principle that will help you win in relationships. Serving in the season that you're in, whether you like it or you don't, it's an attitude of the heart, is what's going to bring success. If you're faithful in the season that you're in, I don't know how long your season's going to be. Neither do you, but God does. But I know what you need to do if we're going to take a page out of Joseph's book and receive God's blessing, and that is I'm serving in whatever season I'm in. Well, they don't understand what they have with me. They have me mopping the floors. You better be the dang best mopper they've ever seen. Because you understand you ain't working for them, you're working for him. Why well, just do data entry? You better be the typingest fool they've ever seen doing data entry with the best attitude they've ever seen. Like, I don't understand. She must be crazy. He must be crazy because he just smiling while he's doing all this data entry. Because you're not doing it just for them. You're doing it for him. Well, they don't recognize my gifting. <laughs> they don't know what they have in me. God wants to see if you'll be faithful when you're mopping floors or doing data entry because he's got somewhere else for you to go. The reason you need to rip up your list is because God is watching how you're handling now. This thing with Joseph, wherever he was, he was faithfully serving. This is mind-boggling. If I'd have been sold into slavery, can we just say that probably Scott Winstead's attitude wouldn't have been real good? Like, what time you want me up? You want me to do what? How many times? Nah. But Joseph used his hands in a horrible situation to serve, no matter where he was at. Even if you're waiting, serve in your waiting wherever you're at. And and I wish I had time to go into this. I don't. I'm already starting to run out of time. But Joseph runs into a cougar. Not the, not that. Some of you are like, what's what's he talking about? (laughs) You thought a cougar was made up 15, 20 years ago by somebody. There was a cougar in the Bible. It was Potiphar's wife. I'll just tell you just a glimpse of it. Some of you are going to be like, I'm interested in my Bible today. I'm going to go home and read this. Genesis 39, verse 6 through 9, Joseph was very handsome and (laughs) well-built. Kind of like this dude. No. (laughs) And Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. Come and sleep with me, she demanded. But Joseph refused. Say what, Joe? Like most likely when she said this, she was probably naked. She was well-built. She looked good. She was going to distract him. He wasn't about to be distracted because he was serving in the season that he was in. 
Some of us give ourselves way too much credit, like, oh, pastor, I can watch that stuff. It doesn't affect me. <laughs> Liar. I just, it just goes in one ear and out the other, one eye out the other. No, it doesn't. But Joseph was so committed to staying in the place that God had placed him, he didn't trip, he didn't fall, he didn't get distracted. He stayed on course. Here's what he told her. My master has trusted me with everything in the entire household. She's standing there, lustfully, trying to get at him. No one has more than I am. No one, no, more, no one has no more authority than I do. He's held back nothing for me except you because you are his wife. Your husband's given me everything, but he ain't given me you. How could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a sin against Potiphar, your husband. Nope. God. That's called integrity. Integrity, folks, is who you are when no one else is around. No one's looking. That's who you really are. What do you do when no one's looking? That's more important in this day and age than ever before. Are you telling me if I'm married, it's probably not a good idea to get on Facebook and contact an old flame to say hello? I just wanted to see how she was doing. Got really quiet in here. <laughs> you don't think I can be friends with someone the opposite sex? You know how many friends I go to? that are female, that I go to dinner with or have a private meeting with? Zero. Because I put big boundaries around myself. Because I care so much about my marriage and my wife. Potiphar's wife said, you know what she did after he refused to sleep with her? She told her husband, he tried to sleep with me. Here comes the false accusation. You know what your man Joe did? He tried to put his hands on me. He tried to seduce me. He propositioned me. It was a lie, and I didn't. The pit was not meant to kill him. It was to take him. <laughs> Fill this in. This is key. Rip up your list. Because prisons can become platforms. Wherever you are right now, it might be the lowest part of your life. You might be so frustrated you can't even see straight. The thing that hurts you the most could be the platform that God wants to use you in to make the biggest impact that you've ever made in your life. If you're single, you need to start asking God, I'm single. You know you're, I'm single, I know I'm single. Instead of just wishing I could get out of this season of my life, what do you want to do with me while I'm here? God, our marriage isn't the way we want it to be. God, what do you want to do in our marriage where we're here right now? God, I just lost my wife. I lost my husband. I don't know. What, God, what do you want to do in me right here? The prison turned into the place that would elevate Joseph. He used his gifts that God had given him to interpret the dreams, and God 
did something in him through Potiphar and that house. God was with Joseph. He got elevated. He became in charge of all the other prisoners, the Bible says. Are you kidding me? But the Lord was with Joseph, Genesis 39. And they showed him his faithful love, even in that low moment. And before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners over everything that happened in the prison. The warden had no more worries because Joseph took care of everything. He used his prison. He served in every season that he was in. And the Lord was with him and caused everything he did to succeed. Here's the last point, and then we're done. Rip up your list and let God rewrite it. Rip up your list and let God rewrite it. Go, he goes on to be, Joseph does second in command over the entire country because he said, I'm still going to use what you gave me, God. I thought it was going to happen like this. I, I, thought, I thought my life was going to go like this, God, but it isn't. And you know what you said, God? That many are plans in a man's heart, but the Lord's purpose prevails. Joseph ripped up his list and he still got the palace. Does that mean if you just do it God's way, everything's going to turn out the way you had it on your list? No. Darn it. But if this message is for you in any way, I want to pray that you don't quit in the pit. I don't know how your life is going to end, but I know that if you and I live according to his principles and we serve in every season that we're in faithfully and with integrity, we'll get to where God wants us to go. His ways are higher than ours. And don't ever forget that God is with you. Would you bow your heads? Father, thank you so much for today. Thanks for the privilege that we have to have your written word, your principles. And God, every day we have a choice to make when we wake up. How are we going to start our day? What's going to be primary in our lives? What's going to guide us? What's going to direct us? Is it going to be social media? Is it going to be our own list? Is it going to be our own ideas? Is it going to be our peers? Or is it going to be your principles, your word? Do we trust us more than we trust you? I pray that we'll be honest about that and we'll make adjustments accordingly. If you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus, can I tell you that's your greatest opportunity and the most life-changing thing you can do to trust the God that created you with your life isn't just the best thing it's the wisest thing you can do because he's never will leave you or forsake you he's got your best in mind always he'll never lead you astray he'll never leave you in the pit or in the prison and when no one else knows, he still knows. And you can trust him even when it doesn't make sense. If you've never given your heart and life to Jesus, right where you're at, right where you're listening from, right where you're seated, say, God, I don't understand it all, but I know I'm not perfect. I'm a sinner. And my sin separates me from a perfect and holy God. But you so loved me, you sent your son to live and to die. His body was broken, his blood was shed, not for anything he did wrong, but because of what I did wrong. God, I'm sorry for that. I turn from my sin today, and I turn to you 
the Savior. And I say, Jesus, would you be my Savior, coming into my heart and my life. And from this day forward, I want to live for you, walk with you, get to know you and love you like you love me. I say thanks. I give you all the praise because you deserve it. In your name, amen.